You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. Good morning, church. Good morning. Make your way back to your seat, please. We are so glad that you're here. Look to your neighbor, say good morning. Good morning, good morning. My husband told me that I should have some sort of icebreaker about the Super Bowl, but I got nothing, y'all. I don't watch football. I don't know anything about Taylor Swift. I, <laughs> I got nothing, um, so we're just going to go dive right into Scripture instead. If you're cool with that, everyone say, let's go. Let's go. Hey, do me a favor. If you are sitting next to your spouse in the room today, hold their hand for me. Let's hold their hand, and we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 21. You can stop holding hands after we pray, but right now it's good. Get close. So it says this. Let's go actually 22. Y'all are going to love this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands, Y'all, some of y'all, how many of y'all are saying, uh-oh? Uh-oh, okay, here we go. It's good, y'all. It's actually good. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Whew. Everyone say, that's good. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you um, that you have a specific design, a specific purpose on the union of marriage. And God, in the parts that are uncomfortable for us today, Lord, we pray that we would just lean into what you are saying through your word and through your spirit. I pray over the marriages that are represented in this room, God, I pray for a supernatural unity. I pray that the, the, the truth that is reflected in Scripture, that two become one, is made known clearly through the marriages in this house. Holy Spirit, shed light into our hearts. Holy Spirit, reveal any areas in our lives where we have been deceived. Let us be open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone say amen. 
Amen. Y'all, I wrestled with the Lord on this because Pastor Mike messaged me. Um, you guys can stop holding my hands if you want to, or you can just hold on a little tighter. Pastor Mike messaged me, and he said, he asked if I would preach today, and he said, marriage or whatever the Lord lays on your heart. And um, at first, I thought, I don't want to, this is so silly. I don't want to preach on marriage because it's almost Valentine's Day, and that's cliche. That's actually the first thing that I thought, and I don't want to be cliche. Um, and then I was like, okay, it kept coming up and coming up in my heart and in my time with the Lord, so um, so I was like, okay, I'll preach on marriage. And then last night, um, I was exhausted. My man let me go to bed at 7 p.m. while he got the kids in bed. Praise God. Everyone say, praise God. What a man. Baby, I would sing salt and pepper to you right now, but I can't sing, so I'm going to hold back. Um, so, because I know the lyrics, y'all. Um, so, I was wrestling as I was laying. I was trying to go to sleep, and I was off and on going to sleep. And one of the things that I have said, Lord, I, I'll talk about marriage, but I don't want to touch submission with a 10-foot pole. I don't want to talk about it because I know that it's really difficult. And I don't want to talk about what it looks like for a man to lead because that feels really heavy. I wanted to talk about the fun parts of marriage. I wanted to talk about, you know, some steps for communication and, and what does it look like to have fun in your marriage? And then I was corrected. And the Lord brought me back to origin. And we have marriages that are failing. And you're trying to do everything that you know to do. You're reading the marriage books. You've done marriage coaching. You are asking friends for help, whatever that looks like. And your marriage is still failing. And, and my, my question to you, or my encouragement to you would be, let's go back to the origin. Because if God has designed something and set something up specifically, the only way that we will experience satisfaction is to do it by what he said. So if I am struggling in my marriage as a woman, but I haven't checked myself to see if I'm submitting, then something is off. Because I would be operating outside of how he has designed and set up marriage. Right? And so if you are a man and you are like, oh, my marriage is falling apart and I don't know what to do and I don't even feel close to my wife and it just feels like we're roommates, but you aren't loving your bride as Christ loves the church, then you are doing something wrong. And the beautiful thing is that there's grace for that, right? God is not an accusatory God who's pointing his finger. He's saying, come here, let me teach you, let me show you. And so Ephesians 5, Paul's setting it up. He's taking us to the, to the roles that we are supposed to fulfill as man and wife. Now, listen, if you guys are here and you are not married, this is still for you, right? If you are here and you are not married, oh, by, <clears throat> I told you I was going to call you out. We're back in the prayer room, and uh, I said, I'm going to preach on marriage. And um, one pastor on staff you can use some deductive reasoning, said, then I don't have any, then this ain't for me. Um, to which I said, do you know how many marriage books I read before I ever met my husband? I read a lot of marriage books before I ever met my husband. Dom said, do you know how many prayers I wrote to my husband before I ever met my husband? Right? So this is still for you. 
And the beautiful part is that marriage is designed to be a picture of the gospel. And so if you are here and you have a relationship with Jesus, then this is still for you. If you are here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to hear how he loves you today through this word. So let's look again into Ephesians chapter 5. And it starts, I mean, Paul just goes right for the jugular, right? Whenever he says, wives, submit to who? Everyone say, your own husband. Now, this is important. You you don't have to submit. This is not, um, let's go, let me just go back. The context of this is not in the workplace. Everyone say, "Uh uh-huh. Okay, the context of this is not in a dating relationship, right? The context of this is marriage and marriage only. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, let's go over here. This scripture has been used a lot of times um, and misused. Submission is not, let me just tell you a few things that it's not. Submission is not a weaker position. Submission is in no way, shape, form, or fashion abuse. Not abuse physically, not abuse sexually. Submission is a place of honor. And before this verse ever happens, do you know what Paul says? He says, actually, when I'm getting ready to talk to husband and wives, first he said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So because Christ is first, now we will have this reciprocity in submitting to one another. Because who's first? Christ. Out of reverence for Christ, we are submitting to one another. And then a woman's, y'all still love me, a woman's role is to submit to her husband. Now, does this mean that she's barefoot and in the kitchen all the time? All the women look to your husband and say, heck no. Heck no, right? No, it's actually a place of great strength. Um, In fact, it is one of the, I will tell you, I've not always been good at this and I'm still ironing out some kinks and I'll tell myself a little bit, the hardest times in our marriage, I would say, would be due to a lack of submission on my part. Um, Sorry, y'all, I didn't know I'd cry. Um, The hardest times that we have experienced in our marriage is when I tried to take the reins. And whenever my husband said, I don't think that this is what we should do, or I don't feel right about this, but I said, no, I know what I'm doing. And I can look back at some of these pivotal points in my marriage and say, when we started going at each other's throats a little bit more, when we experienced tension or maybe the biggest distance that we've ever experienced in our marriage, it was because of this lack of ability for me to submit. Not ability. God's given me everything I need. As well as a lack of willingness. It was a lack of willingness. But can I tell you, my husband's so kind and gracious because when I repented of that and asked for forgiveness, it was not a problem. That's the picture of the gospel, right? That when we recognize that we are doing something that we're not supposed to be doing, that we're not being who he's called us to be, that we repent. And the beautiful thing about repentance is that it has this supernatural ability to lead to reconciliation. That's the gospel. 
And that's what happens in marriage. So if you are here today and you're thinking, gosh, I have flubbed this one up. There has been no ounce of me that is desired to submit. It's okay. It's time to repent, to repent to God, and to repent to your spouse so that your unity can be reconciled. Your intimacy, your closeness can be reconciled. But it's not the end. Can I also just say, um, there's such an attack on God's origin in our culture today. Um, When we see it in identity, gender identity, and sexuality. And then when we started doing this, my husband laughs because he calls me a feminist. And at first I got really mad about that. But then I was like, no, you're right. I I actually kind of am a feminist. Um, But... I, when, when women's equality movement started happening, something else started brewing. Not that that wasn't right or good or helpful and need, something that needed to be done in our culture. But if the enemy can take one thing that is good and pervert it and twist it for his own purposes, he will do so. And so in this equality movement, women started thinking, I don't need a man. Women started saying, I'm going to make the decisions. I'm going to be the boss, babe. I'm going to call the shots. And I will make sure that I get to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And ain't no man going to tell me any different. That is so far from our role as women in our marriages. It is so far. And the beautiful thing is that when we are taking this stance of submission, we allow God to move in and do some work. I told this story in our marriage workshop. Raise your hand if you came to our marriage workshop. Y'all give them a hand clap. Um, I used to, the beginning stages of our marriage, um, really harp on my husband. A little bit of that nagging wife thing. Um, And I would critique him. And I would tell him how he's supposed to lead me and what that's supposed to look like. Yeah, y'all, y'all already laughing. Um, And he was patient and kind, but also pretty uh, to the point. If you know him, you would understand. I would say things like, do you even know the Lord? Y'all, right? I told you I was nasty. Um, And you know why I would say that? Not because he was out acting a heathen, but because at 5 a.m. when I legalistically got up to read my Bible, and if you could have 5 a.m., that's great, but out of my heart in that season of my life, it was like legalism. It was religion. He was still sleeping, and so I would look at him, and I would think, I would, well, I wouldn't even, y'all, I would think it, and then I would say it. Um, why aren't you up reading your Bible? When do you meet with the Lord? How does this work for you? And then things like, do you even love the Lord? I need you to lead me, and this is how you should lead me. And the Lord corrected me. And Aaron would say things pretty simply like, you won't let me lead. <laughs> like, you're telling me how to do it. Um, And I remember this phone call that I got from my mother-in-law. 
love my mother-in-law. I really do. Um, and she called me and she said, Lauren, I got the sweetest voice message. I said, oh yeah? Well, what is that? She said, Aaron butt-dialed me while he was driving. And he was just belting out worship at the top of his lungs. Y'all, the Holy Spirit just, like, got me in that moment because I was correcting him, telling he's not leading me like I need to be leaded, lead, led, sorry, led, and here he is, and I'm questioning, does he even love the Lord? And this man is worshiping God at the top of his lungs while he's driving to work. Just because it doesn't look like, it looks like for me, doesn't mean that it was wrong. And yet here I was belittling him. I was wrong. I was really wrong. And how can anybody lead well with that? So when we talk about this attack on origin, we need to go back to the beginning. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to read from a different version than what we have on the screen, so don't get confused. Follow along in your Bible. Can I just say that um, marriage is first for God's glory and then for our good. It is for God's glory and then for our good. Let's look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Everyone look to your husband and say, I know that's right. Or look to the guy close to you and say, I know that's right. That's right. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds in the sky and all of the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said... This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taking out a man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and become one flesh. So when we go back to verse 18, Adam is in the garden. And this is before sin. It is perfect. He has sweet communion with God. It looks like everything he needs, right? And yet God still looks at him and says, it's not good for you to be alone. Our need for one another in marriage is not birthed out of sin or brokenness. Our need for one another is because of design. So Adam here has everything he needs. What I think is really cool about this, God recognizes it. He says, hey, it's not good for you to be alone. You'd think he would fix the problem right away, but he doesn't. Adam gets to work. Now look to the men around you and say, get to work. Um, Adam gets to work. It says that um, all of the animals, he started, he started bringing the animals to him, naming them. So there's this need that's identified, and Adam still 
doesn't get that fulfilled right away. He gets to work and he starts doing what God has called him to do. Men, first and foremost, you are to do what God has called you to do. And so Adam starts to get to work and he names all of the animals and he does his thing. And then no suitable helper was found. So helper actually in this, um, when it's translated, it says that there, were, there are 13 times that, that that word was used to describe God. And only one time that it's used to describe a human. So no suitable helper was found. So what did God do? He gave Adam a helper. Now this is not, again, a lesser place or position. This word is used to describe our God 13 times and only once for human. And then it says that there was no one suitable. Suitable means comparable. But it also means the opposite of. How many of you would say there's an opposite attract situation in your marriage? Right? So it is someone that is actually opposite. And yet both of them are created in the image of God. Adam had specific attributes that mirrored and reflected God the creator. And Eve had specific attributes that mirrored and reflected God the creator. And together it says that they became one. Doing what? Pointing to a a full picture of who God is. I think sometimes in our marriages we start to We get in this competing thing where my calling and my gifting has to trump your calling or your gifting or whatever that looks out like. And somehow they're actually supposed to coexist. The two become one. And they're not supposed to be at odds with one another. They're supposed to complement one another. Pointing to God, our creator, our provider, our help in time of need. Let's go back to Ephesians 5. Women, I told you all to submit, but we're going to keep going because there's part of this that addresses men too. So it says, wives, submit to your husbands because he is the head. I know that this, um, I've wrestled with this too. Like, what does that even look like? Um, Headship is authority. Um, We were in our marriage workshop a few weeks ago, and one gentleman said, I'm working, I'm really trying to be a husband that makes it easy for my wife to follow. And so when we talk about headship and authority, it is not pointing the finger at and condemning or yelling or making someone feel lesser than. Headship, how many of you know the more responsibility, y'all, I'm thinking of Spider-Man, the more responsibility you have, right, the more weight. With great power comes great responsibility, right? Thanks, Pastor Daryl, right? So if the man has this authority given by God, this is a weighty place, y'all. This is weighty. It is heavy. It comes with a cost. 
Think about Jesus, how he leads. Think about in the Bible how we see him lead. He sacrificed everything. He gave up everything for his bride. Husbands, you're called to the same. There's a weight to it. There's a responsibility. There's a heaviness. But then you also think about how he led. He didn't lack authority when he washed the disciples' feet. He didn't give up his authority in that moment so that he could serve. What do we know? In the kingdom, it operates a little bit differently. Greatest of all is servant of all. With authority has to come servanthood. And so when we look in here and it says that there's this authority, that there's this headship, that the husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. Husband is head of the wife as what? Christ is the head of the church. It is not husband is the head of the wife so he can pursue his own hopes, dreams, and goals. It is husband is head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Husbands, if you're in here today and you're thinking, gosh, I might have messed this up a time or two. And you've never asked God for forgiveness and your wife for forgiveness. I hope today's the day. Because repentance leads to reconciliation. And there's no condemnation in Christ. But what he's doing is shining light into areas of our life so that we can be set free. So that we can have more fullness, a full picture of the gospel in our families. Listen, if husbands and wife are doing this, there's something supernatural that's going to happen in your household with your family and with your children. Y'all, marriage is supposed to be enjoyable. It really is. I, um, I really love being married. I was um, I'm trying to think of how much details to give. I was getting my nails done, but not by Dom, to which I also need to say sorry. Um, but I was getting my nails done, and I was telling the nail tech, She's like, what are you doing? Why are you getting your nails done? I'm like, it's our anniversary coming up. Y'all, we've been married 15 years on Tuesday. And I was just like excited to tell somebody because literally I just want to tell everybody that I've been married for 15 years and I don't even know why. And I was excited to say it and she did not look at me with any, she did not give me the response that I was wanting. Um, I was excited and she just looked at me and then I said it one more time. Um, we've been married 15 years, and she, she looked at me, and she said, it must be easy in your marriage. Um, and I will tell you that if you've been married for any extended period of time, um, it is not always easy, but I will say it has been, it is my joy and honor to be married to Aaron Early, and I love that I get to partner with him. I love that I get to do life with him. I want to spend time with him. I'm not looking for a a way to escape from his presence. I want to be near him. That is what marriage is supposed to look like. And if it doesn't look like that in your marriage, it's okay, but I promise you God wants to do a redemption story. And if you're wondering where you went wrong, let's go back to the origin. Are you first doing what God said to do? Are you first doing what God said to do? Because these marriage help books will not work if you're not doing what he said to do. 
Marriage counseling will not work. Y'all, and I'm a marriage therapist. Put myself out of business. It will not work if you are not doing what God said to do. So wives, men, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Are y'all good? You still like me? Okay. Um, I, I really do. I want you to know that God wants to do something in your marriage today. And if you're not married and you want to be, God wants to... God, he, he wants to bring you a gift in marriage. He does. And if you have been married and now are divorced, God wants to redeem what has been lost or stolen or broken. And if you're still reeling in pain and hurt from that, there is healing to be had. Y'all, I think the, the percentage of marriages, I think they say it's 40 to 50 wavering back and forth that end in divorce. And it's matched in the church. It's not like we're different. Um, there's been an increase. This is the perversion part of what, God, of what the enemy has done. Uh, there's been an increase in open marriages where it's so broken in their marriage and they're struggling so much and they're so desperate that their idea of what will fix that is to bring somebody else into the relationship. And I will tell you that will never, ever fix it. Because the origin of, of the union of marriage was created by God. And it is designed for a man and a woman where a woman submits to her husband first to God and a man submits to God, then to his wife, and then takes authority. I'm really hoping today that joy is restored in marriages in our house, in this house. I'm really hoping today that where it has felt like such a struggle and such a tension and you don't know what to do, that you would just first submit yourselves to God and then to one another. I'm really hoping today that you can, you know, our prayer team said that they were praying that the, that the vows that were made today, the stance that you take today for your marriage would be stronger than the stance that you took on the day you were married. That there's a greater revelation of what you're walking into and what you're doing. I don't know about you, but I knew nothing about marriage when I got married. And I read all of the marriage books. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had no idea. Somebody asked Aaron, um, y'all don't do this, but we got married three months after meeting. Um, that's why 15 years is a big deal. Um, whew, thank you for celebrating with me. Um, we got married a few months after a meeting, and somebody asked Aaron, hey, if you would have dated longer, would y'all have still gotten married? And Aaron said, no way. <laughs> and, and I actually don't take any offense to that because it is so true. Because we would have talked ourselves out of it. I would have told myself that he, I would go home to my mom. I was like, I don't know. He's just a little bit like rebellious. And I don't love that. 
I don't know if I'm going to go on a date with him. But then like three weeks later, I said, we should get married. He said, okay. And then we were married two weeks later. (sighs) Y'all, again, don't do this. Um, It is by the grace of God and his kindness. It really is. And whenever Aaron said, no, no way we wouldn't have gotten married, it's because we would have chosen ourselves. If we had the opportunity to get out in a dating relationship, we would have chosen ourselves. But when we got married, we knew it was covenant. And when covenant happens, it is something supernatural and divine. And we were committed, both of us, to covenant. We were committed to pursuing one another relentlessly. That's the gospel, right? That Jesus pursues us relentlessly. It is not works-based. When Aaron is behaving the way I want him to behave, that's whenever I pursue him. No. I pursue him all the time. I reach for his hand all the time. We were in the middle of an argument the other day. Stayed up till midnight, laying in bed arguing. <sighs> Bless it, right? And I, held, I reached over to hold his hand. And I held his hand as we were saying things. We were respectful and kind because we've learned how to argue a little bit better than we did at the beginning. I held his hand. And I, I shared the things that I thought and I felt in the, about the situation that we were arguing about. And he said, I think you're wrong. And I said, I think you're wrong. But I still held his hand because I'm pursuing him. Listen, if you haven't pursued your spouse, let's spark that again. And I'm not just talking about sexually, although that's great too. I'm talking about pursuing like Christ comes after us. To say, I love you regardless of what you're in. I love you regardless of what you're doing. I want to see you fully restored and living in the fullness of the calling of God on your life. And I will pursue you for it. Y'all, I really, um, can our prayer team come up? I don't even know what time it is. It's 12.08. Is that good? Great. Can our worship team come up? Thank y'all. Y'all, I want to have, one of the things that the Lord laid on my heart was that it would be a time for couples to take that step towards unity towards repentance and reconciliation, towards saying, I want to go back to the origin of how God designed this, not the way that I think it's supposed to be or what culture has told me. Some of us have been so deceived by what culture has said marriage is supposed to look like, and it's so far from the gospel. Let's get back to the center. It's the gospel. Marriage is a picture of the gospel. So if you're married here today and you want prayer or encouragement, we have prayer team members. We have some married couples up here who would love to pray with you. If you're single and you're saying, God, I'm still believing for a spouse, come up here and ask the Lord and set yourself apart. Let me, let me encourage you. Set yourself apart. Sanctify yourself waiting for the promise of God. Be pure. Be holy. Be set apart. So that when God brings you your person, you are rocked ready to roll with God's plan for your life. Not that you have to overcome trauma and hurt and pain and attachments to other people. There's room for it. God will heal it. There's forgiveness if you've done it. But now's the time to say no, no more. If you struggled in your marriage and you've sinned against your spouse in any way, shape, form, or fashion, now's the time to repent. If you're saying, hey, I like being married, but I want to love being married. 
now's the time to come forward and just ask, Lord, won't you do it? Won't you make it to where I can't wait to get home to see my spouse? Where the first person that I want to text is my spouse when something has happened? Y'all, will you stand with me? Our prayer team met this um, morning and they had a few things that they felt like the Lord was saying. There's anxiety over your finances. You can come forward for prayer today. There's a problem or pain in your left hip. And they use the word ignite. Lord, ignite something today. I'm going to say, Lord, ignite a passion in our relationships today. Lord, we love you. God, let this house be set apart. Let this church lay ourselves down for the gospel to be represented in our lives and in our families. Lord, bring restoration. God, we ask that you would bring restoration to marriages today. That things that are brought to light today would now be discussed between spouses. That there would be forgiveness. That there would be redemption. That there would be restoration. That there would be increased intimacy and connection that ultimately leads to pointing to you. God, for those here who feel broken, who are distraught over what they've experienced, Lord, may they come and receive prayer and healing and hope. Lord, do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. There are things that are easy for you. We overcomplicate them. We make them harder than they have to be. Thank you for pursuing us. Listen, also, if you are here and you've never made a decision to follow Christ, listen, he loves you. He loves you so much. He died on the cross, shed innocent blood so that you can have connection with him, so that you could be forgiven and have hope of a home of heaven with him, so that you can experience the fullness of life on this earth today. We will see the goodness of God in the land of the living because of the blood of Jesus. If you've named, never made the decision to follow after him, our prayer team's here as well. Church, be blessed. Come forward for prayer. Now's the time if you need prayer. Worship team, take us into a little song, please. Lord, you're good. Thank you.